good conversation and hopefully uh, a little bit of tension. Uh, you know, there was not much help that I gave in that first session. Hopefully this is a little more helpful uh, in this session, um, this next session. Because, you know, hopefully we see this kind of big task in front of us, you know, that's exciting, that's hard, all that kind of stuff. This task of uh, kind of almost a shift in our mindset from being a small group to being a house church. And so then I hope tonight we can grow on some level as practitioners, um, as ministers, that we learn how to do this a bit better, uh, be a little more clear, uh, all those kind of things. Now remember, here's the key. Every group, every group is different, different people. Like, you know, uh, Michael and Lindsay have a few families that are on their streets, and that's like their group right now. My group is like 14 adults and 20 kids. Like, the way we do things is going to be different. I'm not lying either, am I? Okay, um, it's a different guy. And it's great, but it's hard and it's different. And so we have to be aware of that. And here's the other key. As you reach new people, things change. You have a new group. So it's always kind of changing. And so I want to walk through these kind of uh, five seasons of MC life. This is going to help us kind of know the lay of the land. Because sometimes we think we're in this one season and we're discouraged because we're not doing what we should be doing in this season. We're actually in this season right here. Let me walk through it. First season is the season of formation. This is when you first get started as a group, um, where you're getting, getting to know each other, you're doing fun icebreaker games, uh, all that kind of stuff that my wife just hates. I mean, Tracy's shaking her head right now, just hearing icebreaker game. Um, maybe all y'all are doing that. A everybody hates it. Okay. Um, okay. Oh. Nobody does those anymore. Okay. See, we got some pros, some against icebreakers. Extroverts are like, let me just talk to you. Um, listen, what this season requires, and and. Here's also the thing. Many times, if you have one family, especially two new families, show up into your group, you're back into a season of formation. And here's what I find, what I've had to learn for myself. The goal is for us to share life together, not for families to share life just with me. This is where I've done bad in the past as a leader, is that people are connected to me, but not each other. Does that make sense? And it's because I haven't been consistent enough or patient enough to let us walk through a season of formation. Because I go full pastoral. Like, oh, well, they're fine. I know what's going on in their life. But that's not the goal, right? The goal is for us to share life together. So this season requires just gathering consistently. Like, it's really just showing up, sharing meals, praying, opening word for a good probably three to six months. That's what I would say. Just just so we just know each other. And <laughs> um, you want to create space for people to get to know each other. And as you kind of do this for a while, you, you kind of, you find formation, you enter the next season, which is the fun season. Uh, this is the early part of community where we know each other enough to like each other, but not enough to dislike each other, if that makes sense. Because at some point, when you really know people, People stop liking each other because they're different and they're annoying most times. Um, and listen, this is a good season. 
This is a really good season to be in as a group. But hear this. It's not the ultimate season. And I'll tell you this. This is where most small groups stop. Like, where church is like, okay, we want people to find friends and be comfortable and we're good. Um, that's not bad. It's not bad. The problem with that is, as we go to the, let's see, the next sheet, next kind of uh, season of life, dealing with each other and our hang-ups and our weirdness and our conflict is one of our greatest sources of sanctification in this world. Other people and the messiness of life. And if we avoid that and just stay in the fun season, um, we are not getting all we can out of community. It's a season to enjoy, but not to stay in. Now, what you'll find many times that people don't want new folks to come in because they enjoy this fun season. And all I can tell you is that's the opposite of the heart of God. Without being blunt, that's why. You know? That's what I mean. But with, with Jesus, there's always room at his table, isn't there? And so is it inconvenient? Yes. Is it hard? Yes. Is it messy? Yes. But what's the option? For us to say no to a lost, lonely person? No, we make room. Um, yeah, most folks come into our church and they enter a group and they, and they love it. And I, I, you're, listen, you're going to love this. It's going to be great. And there's going to be a point when you're not going to love it anymore, where you're going to be tired of gathering, you're going to be tired of people, and, and you're going to want to give up. And honestly, this is where most groups die where most groups die is this next season. It's the messiness season. It's the messiness season where we now know each other enough where I know how you talk to your wife. I know the weird jokes that you make. I know how flaky you might be. I, I know whatever, I know too much. That's, that's what I would say is we know too much. And there's two things that are needed in this season that are really important. First, we must deal head-on with conflict. Matthew 18. If there's a, listen, we have to ignore annoyances. Tell people. People are going to annoy you. Ignore those things. But when there's a real offense, hear this. I, I, this is no joking. When there is a real offense, the enemy will come in, use that offense to multiply offenses and will destroy community and ruin our witness and take us off mission. So when there's a real offense, when someone says things that someone else cannot let go, we have to teach our people, model for our people to go to the person who offended them and seek reconciliation. This is not normal in the church world, is it? What happens normally is that this person offends you. The person might tell the leader. They might. Most times they tell their spouse or someone else in the group and just let it fester bitterness and bitterness and disconnection withdrawal because of an offense. So during this messy season, um, Leighton was talking about his table. He loves getting all kinds of groups together. Is that what you said? Different kind of people together? That stresses me out every night because all I see is conflict. It's like, oh gosh, what's going to happen? They're going to say this here. I feel this so much when like, I, when there's certain groups together, I'm like, okay, don't say anything. Don't say, don't say it. Like, oh, oh, they said it. They said it. Oh, they're offended. Oh, I feel it in my bones. Um, I might sound crazy, right? Shut it down. Shut it down. Oh, yeah, no. we got to shut it down. We're not, no politics here. 
<laughs> and so, um, so, but we have to be aware of those things as leaders because in that messy season, offense happens. So first thing, we must nip it in the bud and deal with conflict. Second, do not stay inward focused. Do not stay inward focused. Many times things are messy because we're stagnant. Because we know each other, we like each other. Now it's time to go and get on mission to get in the bunker. We're just too comfortable, right? They say that easy times create um, weak men. I mean, there's a real thing. If we're just walking in ease, anything's going to fester. Listen, when when um, when you're in the bunker with someone, you don't care about their bad habits, right? You're just trying to get this mission done together. So deal with conflict and move outward. The bunker unifies is what it does. It unifies. Which goes to our fourth season, the season of mission. And one note about this. The way we gather in these seasons is going to change. So that first season of formation, we're going to gather together as a community a lot. Like we're trying to for form each other. And, and then once fun starts happening, you know what normally what happens is that you're gathering informally, right? You don't have to force a gathering, which allows you in this kind of third season, season of mission, to then gather more for mission and less for yourself. This is a step that many of us in our group, we don't take. We, we, we just keep gathering for ourselves and we're good. We know each other. We're comfortable. We like each other. Now we need to get to work. So if you, if you can survive the messy, mission can happen. Hear this. A messy family uh, is, a, um, I think, an appealing family. People are never, like, drawn to, like, the great, sexy people. They're drawn to brokenness. Because no one can relate to that, like, great, perfect family, can they? They know the broken family. And so, like, we are broken people. We shouldn't hide that. Um, that's a good thing. So this is a season, I think, when rhythm should change. And the, the focus of how we gather should change. And so as we, as we form, start liking each other and have some fun together, as we push through the messy, and then we start really living on mission together, the fifth stage is when we multiply. This is when we have kids. Something multiplies. Uh, new, there's new life. There's new missions. There's new opportunities. There's new things that are happening. This season requires a lot of vision where you're reminding people why we do this because no one wants to multiply, right? It's painful. I like you. You know me. I, all this kind of stuff. Um, it's painful, uh, but it's needed. And so they need vision and they need coaching. Like, like how are we going to multiply? What are we, what's the steps? Who's going to do what? Be very, very clear as much as you can um, on those things. So I, I hope that this kind of gives us a good lay of the land of what season our group might be in right now. And, you know, like I said, as people come into your group, that kind of changes sometimes. And so, um, uh, but I want to end our time tonight, and I'm doing good on time. I'm proud of myself. Um, with just some clear next steps. So I mentioned that um, our boys are playing basketball right now in the Providence Intramural League is what it's called. And All-Star League. All League, that's right. And, um, <laughs> and uh, I'm going to show you all a video of Layton coaching in a little bit that you can watch before you leave. And um, yeah, championship coach. Um, and uh, <laughs> 
so the, the way it works is we have an hour each Saturday. And the athletic director at Providence, what he's doing for the first 30 minutes, he is teaching the 30 or 40 kids that are there for that hour the fundamentals of playing basketball. And it's been great. Like, they learn how to dribble well. They learn, learn how to do a pivot, how to pass, how to play defense, how to rebound. They kind of learn these different fundamentals. Because here's the, here's the deal. You're never going to score in basketball if you can't dribble. It makes sense. Tim, the way it works is you dribble a basketball and you go down and shoot. We, 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 I want the recording, the, the recording to hear this. Tim Clements just used a full house reference on playing basketball. Was it mullet, Uncle Jesse? Was it mullet, Uncle Jesse? Okay. Um, okay. Um, all right. Let me get back on the, on the, on the, on the road now. Um, all I can see now is, uh, is uh, rest in peace, Bob Saget. And so, um, I know, I know, I know, I know. And so, <laughs> here, here, here's my big point with the illustration that Tim kind of derailed on it. And so, um, is this right here? Is there are certain practices, uh, fundamentals that we need to learn so that we can score, so that we can win. So, here is uh, the 10 essential practices of leading an MC. First, hear this, friends, check in on people weekly. Like the way, the, the way or amount you gather might change. That's fine. Uh, we, that's, a, that's a coaching discussion. But as a, you know, I, I sent a, a podcast out. Um, it's 10 minutes. Listen to it, please. Phenomenal. Um, and it's talking about these shifts to go from a small group to a house group. And the first shift is for us to think like pastors not just small group facilitators, but think like leaders. And so what I want us to feel is like, these are, these are your people. Hear this. You're going to know more about them than I do. That's going to happen. Now, we're here to support and all those kind of things, but I hope that you're on the ground with those people checking in weekly. This is praying for these people every single week and calling or texting. Just calling or texting every single week. I believe if, if, when there's a, an MC leadership team, that you should spread this responsibility out. That, that if you have four leaders, that's great. Give each person two people, right, to minister to those people. So first, check in on people weekly. Second, essential practice. This is like dribbling, Tim. It is to communicate the vision at every gathering. Every time you get together, Remind your people of the four reasons, the four goals of our family. People do not drift to these things. People drift inward. So vision leaks. You have a gathering, remind people. Send a text, remind them. A group me, remind them. Email, remind them. Um, this is how you know that this is happening, is when they repeat it back to you. Or you hear them talking about it. Like, for my boys at this point, they know, like, when they're whining about doing something hard, I'm like, well, guys, you know, like, I know, hard things can be good things. And I slap them <laughs> as hard as I can. Because <laughs> they're jerks. Um, no, they're not. Um, 
But when people start saying those things, you kind of know it's happening. You want to really create a culture. And you do it by just seasoning the vision all the time. Third thing, ensure consistent gatherings. Listen, every group is different here. Every group. It is not easy right now for my group to gather. Frankly, it's kind of a pain in the butt. And so, um, but uh, we have to find a way to be more consistent. And, and for you, if you need help paying for childcare, we want to help do that. That's a need your group has right now uh, to help pay for childcare so you can gather consistently. Determine your season, find your rhythm, make a plan, and be consistent. People are like kids. My kids need consistent rhythms. We all need consistent rhythms to feel safe and to grow. Here's the truth. Quantity of time, like lots of time, always leads to quality of time. So there's this thing, you know, with, with my kids. Anytime I try to do something spiritual, it never works. But if I give them four hours of doing something, at some point during that four hours, something spiritual comes up. Many times I want to microwave the spiritual in five minutes, and God's like, nope, you need four hours driving, and then something's going to happen. I'm like, golly, God, that was a lot slower. But <laughs> quantity of time always leads to quality of time. So ensure consistent gatherings. And, and here's just the biggest thought I can say. The healthiest communities are together a lot. I'll repeat that again. The ones that gather consistently tend to be the healthiest. This is all like an indictment on me. So that's fine. Fourth fundamental, fourth practice, open the word when you gather. Open the word when you gather. Remember, our goal is people to take steps toward Jesus, not just a nice community. We want them to see Jesus. We don't do this by hiding Jesus. So I pray that in your group that there are lost people in your group every single week. Um, do not be intimidated by the, by the word of God. Open. Now, here is my caveat on this. Um, how do I say this? Full disclosure, I don't think our MC gatherings are the best environment for a three-hour Bible study. I, I'm a pastor. I know that's probably bad to say that. Um, I think MCs are more about running the plays than studying the plays. And I'm saying all this, I do think that studying God's Word is a great evangelistic tool. Can I just tell you something? If you ask a lost person to read God's word with you, many times they'll say yes. They will. Okay, let's go to the book of John together. And you'll be surprised. They'll say yes to those things. And so open God's word. Um, we don't need a, a three-hour uh, Bible study at the same time. And so you need to find... Now, here's the, here's the thing. Some of you lean towards uh, never opening God's word. You're almost intimidated by it. You want it to be a safe place. And that's, that's fine. Um, you need to take a step towards opening God's word more. Some people, um, their group is primarily a Bible study. They need to shift away from just being a Bible study to being more of a group that runs the plays, not necessarily the plays. Make the word central. Fifth practice. Pray for each other and the lost. We should be praying communities. We should be praying communities. I know, uh, I think uh, y'all from the y'all's group right here, from one of the y'all's groups, have a, we have a monthly prayer gathering where they gather for the sake of praying. Um, as far as I know, praying up in and out is what y'all have done in the past. Um, 
So you're praying to the Father, you're praying to each other, you're praying to Allah. What a great little message is. What a great little message is. Because for one thing, what you're doing is, I read this today, our real power in prayer is when there's compassion in prayer. I would hope that we'd be a people that could like know the names of the lost and lonely around us and like we're moved to those people. And that is cultivated in prayer. And, you know, newsflash, prayer is a prayer word and something supernatural happens when we pray. Pray with our heart and, it, and God moves. Find ways to really pray. I would pray at every gathering and I think there's seasons where you might have a, a once a month gathering like our friends do over here and just Pray, pray, pray. Sixth practice. Invite the lost. We invite the lost to our homes, to our MCs, and to our gatherings. I think the first step is to your table, to your table at your house. If there's people in your group to train them, the first step is their table at their house. Now, you might feel led to invite them right into your community, and that's fine too. That's a, a great step. But we should be inviters. We should be inviters. And I tell you, leaders, you must lead by example here. If we're going to be communities that make space for the lost, then we're going to have to lead as being people who invite them to make space for the lost. My hope is that when people meet a co-worker, a friend, a neighbor, someone going through a tough time, that their first inclination is, I want to invite them into my family, my spiritual family. So this, this is y'all with Paul and Sabrina in y'all's group. Uh, Sabrina shared a story, shared testimony at church a few weeks ago. And Paul and Sabrina are going through a tough time. Paul is a professed unbeliever. Um, and reached out to Jamie. Jamie invited her into to their MC, to their gathering. And they are now taking steps towards Jesus, right? Um, that, that is the hope, that we would be inviters into our community. Which leads to our next practice, and maybe why we don't invite people in sometimes. We want to welcome the lost. Uh, it is easy, just real honest, to become critical. And for a lost or a new person, sometimes it can be hard for them to enter into community because we know each other so well. There's the inside jokes. There's the things, there's the way we talk, there's the, we have to welcome the lost. Here's the, people are hurting and are lonely, and we should be like the safest place they can land. And if we're only like doing our thing with each other, we're not being welcoming. We're not being welcoming. This is not having a perfectly clean house, it's having a loving house, that's all this is. Welcome people. Man, this is a good gauge for us. Would a, a lost person, a new person, feel welcome in your group, in your community, in your spiritual family? Would they feel comfortable? Eight, tell stories. So we think about one of our goals is to serve the least, right? Raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. It's rhetorical. Uh, if there's people in your group who, who never served with you, all of us, right? You put out the group me, and uh, no one shows up. You sent out the text, no one shows up. This is this is no judgment on anybody. 
Um, just real leadership lessons. People don't respond to invites. They respond, they respond to service. So here, here's what I would tell you to do. Instead of simply inviting people to serve, tell them a story. Jesus led by storytelling. So, talk to people about the people you are serving. Tell the story of the man you met last week or the family you prayed for last week or whatever the thing you're doing is to do. Tell them the story. Tell them what God is doing in that ministry, a story of what God is doing in that ministry. Tell them the story of the need that they can only meet and invite them in that way. So we had people last week, and now listen, we're serving at the hub right now, and it's not like we're not like uh, blowing the doors off right now, people coming in, are we? Which means we have a great chance to actually talk to people and not just be like, you know, servers. We have the space and the energy and the time now to actually talk and love and pray with people. Tell that story. Just tell stories. If there's a lost person in your life, tell that story. If someone took a step towards Christ, tell that story. That we should, we should as best we can, just grow as storytellers. Plan the plan. Number nine. I think this is big right here. Plan catalytic events. Sounds dramatic. Um, many times people need more than just a normal thing. This is why our student team right now is planning Do Now. Why they go to camp. There is something about a focused 36 hours. About getting away. Uh, turning off the phone. Something about these, like almost retreats or conferences or special times that, like, are a spiritual jolt to people. A lot of us are here because of one of those kind of experiences, right? I serve in a ministry at a disciple now in uh, in Eunice, and one of these kind of things. This is a really important tool for us to use in our in our, in our community. It's a catalytic event. It's a retreat. It's a conference. A mission trip. I mean, if, if you can get out of town with your people for an overnight, I think God can do amazing things. Sometimes this is a season of focused training on something. So you might say for the next eight weeks, every time we gather, we're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about caring for the poor. We're going to talk about serving our neighbor. We're going to learn something, some kind of catalytic event that we have to use as a leader. And last, um, Commit to coaching. Commit to coaching. Um, like I said, every group is different. Every season is different. Every leader is different. Um, and because of that, there's no one size fits all. And so which what we need to do together is navigate where you're in, how you're growing as a leader, and what your next steps are. I think every church, every house church in our little church needs that. Because what you're doing is complex. What you're doing is hard. Um, and one of our greatest joys as a, as a team is to come alongside you and support you and help you do those things. Pitfalls, goals. But I'll tell you, this will take time out of your schedule. Like We'll have to find time when to do this, how to do this, all those kind of things. But I really believe it's really, really important. And so, that is uh, 
that is all I've got for us for this little uh, night tonight. So here's um, my hope. We're going to do a few minutes of discussion to close the night out. Um, so let's do that first, and I'll say just a few more things. So at your tables, back to your tables. Which of these gets you most excited and why? Go ahead and do hard, too. Hard and good. Both at the same time. And so ready breaks. 